Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. pray together. Father, I thank you for every man, every woman. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for those online. I thank you for those in our kids' space right now. God, would you anoint dads in this place and mothers in this place? Would you just pour out a fresh oil upon every person right now? Lord, someone who's doing well to someone who's struggling to someone everywhere in between. Father, I just believe you, Lord, to strengthen what must be strengthened, to pour hope into people, to pour strength into people. Lord, to reveal what must be revealed. God, these are your sons, these are your daughters. So I pray and believe that you will build them. I I declare over them champions. I declare over them conquerors. I declare over them that they can become everything you've called them to become. So I speak life and strength and peace into this place. In Jesus' name. Come on, pray this simple prayer and declare this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe I can, with your grace, become who you desire. Open my eyes, open my ears, help me step into faith, help me step into courage. Make me to be the person you desire. In Jesus' name. Say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Come on, fill me, Holy Spirit. Father, thank You for this moment right now. Bless Your people. Come on, one more time. Let's just give Jesus some praise in the house of God. Come on. Come on, let's give honour. Come on, let's give honour for a moment. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, take your seat. Take your seat. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Danny. How how many appreciate Danny on the bass? You don't believe this? I taught Danny everything he knows. It's, uh, he's just going to pay me later, but, um, uh, so on Friday, I got the chance to um, teach my daughter actually how to ride a bike without training wheels, which was pretty cool. Uh, she's six years old. And to be honest, I wasn't sure she was ready, but hey, that's what dads do. We just push them. See how it goes. So I just pushed her down the hill. She fell over, cried. No, I'm just kidding. I actually took her to a field and there was grass and I wanted to make sure that she wasn't uh, mortified and petrified of the experience. And, and it's funny, on Friday, I didn't have much time. I only had maybe 25 minutes until they had to go to dinner with their grandparents. And, uh, but I was determined to get something going. And uh, she first rode the bike for three seconds by herself and then it was nine seconds and then 12 seconds. And I'm like, come on, you didn't 12 seconds by yourself. And uh, isn't it funny that phrase that says um, that basically once you, once you, what is that phrase? <laughs> you're like, pastor, you're the one giving the speech. Um, but it's, it's, it's like riding your bike, right? I mean, you, once you got it, you got it. The very next day, I took it to the same place and uh, I was hoping for greater progress. Well, she went from 12 seconds like, 45 seconds in a moment and she was just riding everywhere and and it was a pretty cool experience but I would not consider her a bike rider at this point I would not take her to Mountain Creek and just push her down the hill and see what happens I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that uh, she's learning and she's growing 
truth in life is we're all growing, aren't we? But the real question is, what are we growing? We are all growing. And you, like, you might be like, listen, I stopped growing five years ago or 10 years ago. No, we're all growing, aren't we? And you've met people and they're growing in the wrong direction. And you've noticed in different times in your life that you're growing in the wrong direction. If you ever had a friend just say, what are you doing? You ever had a spouse just go, what are you doing? None of you, just like none of you. You're perfect, just growing perfectly. Just, just like palms in Lebanon. But we're all growing and one of the things that I believe needs to grow in our culture and grow in our families and grow in our churches is leadership. And we had been in a series called The Unlikely Leader. And then last week I talked to you about the revival of courage. Today, I wanna talk on this thought, a revival of honour, a revival of honour. I was talking to a Marine the other day and I said to him, what are the core values of a Marine, and he said, honour, courage, and commitment. And I, as he began to articulate really what that meant, I mean, I, I thought it must have meant, that's what Christians need. Honour, courage, and commitment, and probably sprinkle some love in there too. A revival of honour. Let me show you how important honour is. Mark chapter six says this, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honour except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. It doesn't say that Jesus did not do many miracles there. He said he could not. Do you see the difference? It wasn't that he, it wasn't that that uh, he didn't do a lot of miracles there. It was that he could not do any miracles there. And why could he not do miracles there? It was actually because they lacked honour. They were so used to him. They were, they were familiar with him. There were stories about him. You know, Mary, you know, you know she claimed to, to never have sex and then give birth to a child. And, and there was rumours about Jesus and people knew his brothers and cousins and so forth. And then Jesus shows up to a town and he can do miracles everywhere, but he can't do miracles there because of a lack of honour. How many want God to bless you? Come on, how many want God to bless you? I believe actually one of the keys, perhaps the greatest key to God blessing you is the key of honour. Because honour will actually open the door to faith. Honour will actually open the door to the blessings of God. Honour will do things that few else can do. And I want to, I want to, jump into honour, but I want to give you a picture, which is an unusual picture in Scripture. It's a little bit hard to understand, but let me try and break it down to you so you do understand. You're not just looking at me like, huh? There is a passage of Scripture in the book of Ezekiel, which is Ezekiel is having a, a vision of God. In Revelation chapter 4, John is having a vision of God, and both the Old Testament and the New Testament explain this same picture that John sees and Ezekiel sees the same animal. And this being is a being with four heads. Someone say four heads. There is some stuff in the Bible, how many know it is strange? They're like, I don't get it, but let me try to break it down for you real quick. There is this being and it's got four heads and one of their faces or four faces, I should say. The four faces are, one of them is a lion, one of them is an ox, one of them is an eagle and one of them is a man. 
And it's interesting that in the presence of God, Ezekiel and John see this. So if I say to you, what does it mean to grow and look more like Jesus? I would actually say to you, grow like a lion, grow like an ox, grow like an eagle, grow like a man. And you may look at me and be confused, which some of you are. But here's what I wanna say. See, the lion speaks of strength and courage. Someone say strength and courage. The ox speaks of servanthood, work, sacrifice. How many know the ox in, in, in um, what would you call it, farming times, it is the thing that plows the ground and it doesn't just plow the ground, it is either working or it is laying down its life. It is the ultimate worker, the ultimate servant. The, the eagle speaks of excellence and honour. You ever see an eagle, you're just like, there's something just amazing about an eagle, isn't there? It doesn't even matter if they're trapped in a, uh, in a zoo. They're, you just look at the eagle and just like, oh, God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her. I'll be here all day, people. Come on. But the fourth face is the face of a man, and the man really speaks of compassion and love. So if I say to you, God wants you to look more like Him. What I really am saying to you is God wants you to be courageous. God wants you to be a servant. God wants you to be compassionate. And guess what? God wants you to be honorable. Hear that again. God wants you to be courageous. Someone say courage. God wants you to be a servant. Say servant. God wants you to be honorable. Say honorable. And God wants you to be compassionate and loving. Are you with me? Now, now, the real question is, how do you get there? Because if, if that's the attribute of God that God wants to see in you, how many know God wants His attributes to be seen in you? Every parent knows this. When you're a parent, you have kids and, and all of a sudden you look and, and, and there's certain parts of you that you wanna, you, you wanna go, listen, that's me. <laughs> like when my son is athletic, I'm like, I look at my wife, I'm like, that's me. When he's ordered and, and everything's in order, she's like, that's me. When, when he sings well, she's like, oh, that's me. There, there's certain attributes in my kids and, and my wife and I will look at each other and I go, that's my one and that's your one. And then, and then if you see one that's maybe not as good, you're like, that's you. <laughs> Joking around, of course. Never me mean. But watch this now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into His image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, you and I, when we look at God, spend time with God, worship God, we are actually with unveiled faces, the Bible says, which is fancy terminology for there is no barrier now in Christ. When we look at God, we are to be changed. When we worship God, we're not warming up. No, we are actually looking at the very essence and nature of God. And so often we're going, God, that's you, but I'm different from that. And He says, yes, son, I want you to come closer so that you start looking more like me. How many know you need to look a little bit more like Jesus? I mean, we're gonna get older, let's be honest, in the physical anyway. You're about as good looking as you're gonna be. But guess what? In your character, you can get better and better and better. In your character, you can get better and better and better. How if you keep looking at Jesus? 
Are you with me, Church Alive? So I'm going to dive into a soldier today in honor of Veterans Day on this past Thursday. I want to dive into a soldier where I think we can learn some things. You want to learn some things? Theologians tell us that this man is born most likely the result of an affair, but God comes looking for him. God comes to bless him, which tells me that it doesn't matter how you came into the world, God can bless you anyway. Your dad doesn't have to be perfect. Your mother doesn't have to be perfect. Your background doesn't have to be perfect. God comes looking for you, amen, to promote you. But I wanna, I wanna tell you today, he is the youngest of eight brothers. And when the prophet comes to town though, Jesse is his father and Jesse invites seven of his brothers to the lineup. And none of them are the king. How many of you know if the prophet comes to town and he's about to anoint the next king, you kind of hope that dad says you should come to the lineup. But David is off in the field. He is a shepherd boy and his dad doesn't even think to bring him to the lineup. If you've ever been chosen last in sports, this is way worse than that. He doesn't bring you to the lineup. You didn't get the text. You didn't get the call. You don't even get the invite at all. And the Samuel says, no, 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 there's, there's, isn't there another one? He's, oh yeah, I mean, there's, there's David, but David's taking care of sheep. And, and David is the one that he's trying to hide from the prophet because he was the one that was probably conceived in, in an adulterous affair. And then David comes and, and, and uh, Samuel looks at him and the Bible says this, do not consider his appearance, verse seven, or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at where? So there is something in the heart of David that God is attracted to. And if you're gonna walk in the favour of God and not just say, Jesus be the Saviour of my life, but Jesus be the Lord of my life, which is really the job and the full-time assignment of the Christian. If I am going to be someone that God looks at and He is attracted to not just who He says I am, but who I'm actually becoming, then how many you know that it's important to know what that is? And David is a man after God's own heart, but let me give you four points today. And number one is this. God honours David because he valued what was truly valuable. If I was to ask you a simple question, how do you become more valuable? How many want to become more valuable? How many want to become more honourable? If honour is the thing God blesses, then then pay attention to this. How you become more valuable and how you become more honourable is you don't chase value and chase honour. You put value and honour in the right place. And then you actually start to follow that. And over time, you become honourable. And God has actually found in David a heart that is honouring him and loves his presence. If you read the Psalms, you literally go, man, David loved his presence. For instance, Psalm 84 verse 11 says, better is one day in your courts, it says, than a thousand elsewhere. He says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. He so valued the presence of God that he said, I'd rather be a nobody in the house of God than somebody in the tent of the wicked. I'd rather be a no one in the house of God than be a billionaire that everyone's following on YouTube. He says, I'd rather be a no one in the house of God than than be someone that everyone looks up to, but God actually disdains. Are you with me? 
Jeremiah chapter 9, God speaks and He says this. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. How many know it's good to be wise? Say yes. It's good to be strong. Say yes. It's good to be blessed. Say yes. But He says this. Don't boast in your strength or your wisdom or your riches. He says, listen now, verse 24. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. Here's what's so important. God honours David because he valued what was truly valuable. If you want God to honour you, you've got to begin to honour what He honours. Do you honour what He honours? Now, 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 I would assume that most of us are a little bit like my daughter, that you didn't wake up being honourable. You didn't, you didn't walk into this world and you're just like, yes, I'm just one of those honourable people. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty honourable. Pretty amazing. Actually, you have to honour what is honourable and eventually, someone say eventually, like someone say year after year, year after year, if you honour what is honourable, eventually you'll become honourable. For instance, my, my daughter is just learning to ride a bike, but how many know, it's like you, for instance, if you just give honour one time, how many know you haven't become honourable yet? You're just learning to ride the bike of honour. And you're crashing and you're falling over, but you're not honourable yet. It'll actually take you years of actually placing honourable things in the right places. And before you know it, you'll be a man of honour. You'll be a woman of honour. But how many know we live in a culture which is so easy to dishonour anything and everything? It is so easy to get distracted. I was speaking to some leaders recently on a call and, and we did this exercise where we literally said, okay, I asked them three questions and it was kind of probing questions and deep questions. And, and, I, and I said, listen, on your 40th year anniversary, you and your wife, she gives a speech at your, at your anniversary. What do you want her to say about you? How many ladies want your men to do that question? Why? Because you're defining what is valuable in your own life. You're thinking about it. You're processing it. You're writing it on the heart of who you are. And, and because you do that, now you're thinking about it and processing. How many know that now there's more chance that you might actually become that? I rarely meet anyone that all of a sudden their lives were super honourable and they didn't somehow get super intentional about it. You won't meet somebody just like, ah, oh, he was just born honourable. No, you're born sinful. You're born selfish, aren't you? No one had to teach me to, to be selfish. When you're two, you know, you think your kids are perfect. And then they're two and then they're like, mine, me. And, and two-year-olds, do you know that two-year-olds are actually very violent? Psychologists actually know this, that they are one of the most violent ages of two. Why? Because they walk into look a sand pit and they just kick people and push people over because they want a toy. You were not born honourable. As good looking as you are and as nice as you are, you were not born honourable. You have to become honourable. And your parents had to say, stop being a selfish little brat. They had to take away your toy, didn't they? They literally had to stop it, smack you, put you in timeout. Why? Because you are naturally selfish. 
And they had to train you to be honourable. And God is actually in the, in the business and in the process of training you if you're a Christian to become honourable. Are you with me? My second point today is this. David honours his God given gifts. Watch this now. 1 Samuel 16 verse 17. The Bible says this. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. If you know the backstory, Saul has lost his anointing. He actually begins to honour himself. And in the process of honouring himself, he actually becomes dishonourable. He literally loses his anointing, his freshness in God. And, and, and out of that losing his anointing, a literal evil spirit begins to torment him because because you'll always be filled with something. And Saul is literally being tormented by this demonic spirit. And so he says, find me someone who can play excellently. Someone say excellently. Now, how many of you know that you need the gift of music if you're gonna play music? Otherwise, stick to the triangle. Like I'm awesome on the triangle, let me tell you. I can play that thing like few people. I do not have the gift of music, but if you are gifted in music, it's not just about your gift, it's actually about your diligence. If you have the gift of business and making money, how many know it's not just about that, it's actually about your diligence and your focus and your commitment to it. If you have the gift of leadership, there isn't someone who has the gift of leadership that doesn't have to exercise diligence in their gifting. And so David has a gift called music and a gift called leadership. And he is a warrior and he is multi-talented and multi-gifted. But I want to say to you today that you actually need to honour the gift you have. See, if you honour the gift you have, it doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes people spend so much time valuing what they don't have instead of valuing what they do have. And when you value the gift that is actually in your life and on your life, before you know it, you actually become a more honourable person because you're not complaining about what you don't have. Don't follow people that make you complain about what you don't have. Follow people that help you discover your gifting. And then it actually takes diligence to work your gift. And as Keith Craft says in his book, The, the Divine Fingerprint, he says you've got to discover your gift and then develop your gift and then deploy your gift. Discover it is finding it, that's one thing. Developing it is another thing and then deploying it so that it's useful. And how many know that your gift makes room for you? How many know your gift makes room for you? The longer I live, the more I realise that diligence is my friend. It isn't enough to be gifted. Say that with me, it's not enough to be gifted. How many have seen athletes that were gifted that didn't get anywhere because they didn't apply diligence? Some of you may have entrepreneurial gifts, but unless you actually exercise diligence, you won't get anywhere. And you can blame everything and everyone. I heard someone say, it was Dean Graziazzo, who's up there, very high level business owner. And he said, when I took full responsibility for my own life, I finally realized that it was time for me to soar. And he began to see his business go to new levels in other places. But watch this now. Proverbs 12, 27 says this, the lazy man does not catch and roast his prey, but the precious possession of a wise man is diligence because he recognizes opportunities and seizes them. I heard someone say recently, when you do hard things, you are preparing yourself to do great things. When you do hard things, you are preparing yourself to do great things. If you're a teenager in, the, in this house, let me tell you, the less you sleep in, the more blessed you'll be. 
And some men are still in their 20s and their 30s and they're sleeping in and thinking that they're going to get somewhere. And I just want to tell you, I've been around enough successful people now and I realize that, that they are gifted, yes, but they are diligent. Just have, having a little slap. Number three today, David honored his current assignment. Are you in college? That's your current assignment. Are you got a part-time job? That's your current assignment. Are you a mother? That's your current assignment. I mean, that's a great assignment. Are you a father? That's your current assignment. Have you got a boyfriend, girlfriend, current assignment, relationally? When you value your current assignment, you'll actually find there's incredible lessons there. I tell the story of uh, working at McDonald's. Uh, when I, my first job was a paper route. That job was terrible. Then I got promoted from the paper route to McDonald's. Come on, someone. I'm 14 years, nine months, and the, that was the age that you could go to work legally in Australia. And so I'm going to work and so forth. And I get my job at McDonald's and they pay you $5.25 per hour at the time. And how many know when you're, when you're, when you're 14, 15, I'm, I'm working and sweating and you're making all these burgers and so forth. And I look over at the clock and, and it's been 15 minutes. And I'm like, I've made $1.75. This job is the worst. And I hated my job and I had a bad attitude towards my job. Why? Because I thought I was above it. But how many of you know you're not above it? The truth is, if you think you're above it, you're actually not above it. But if I had taken my current assignment more seriously, I would have showed up earlier with a good attitude and I could have looked around and learned lessons in leadership, management, business ownership, but instead what I was looking at was I just worked for 30 minutes and got paid $2.75. But how many you know that then you look at the clock again, you're like, I've been working 50 minutes now, and now it's $5. And how many know while you're sweating with McDonald's sweat and you're breathing in the fries and, and then this one guy one time, I was scraping my grill and I accidentally bumped him a couple of times. And he said to me, if you bump me again, I'm going to push your face upon the grill. So thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Peace be upon you. And also upon your children. <laughs> but if you undervalue your current assignment, you won't see the important lessons that are hiding underneath the surface. Hear me now, David is a shepherd boy and shepherds are looked down upon. But guess where he learnt faithfulness? Being a shepherd. And guess where he learnt bravery? Being a shepherd. In 1 Samuel 16, he is anointed to be king. 1 Samuel 17, one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture is him taking down the giant. But guess what? He learnt it being a shepherd boy in his current assignment. Listen to me. He learnt faithfulness. He learnt bravery. And he learnt honouring his dad in his current assignment. See, the culture of heaven is honour. Someone say honour. Honour is what I give weight to. It's what I ascribe as valuable. If I said to you today, listen, your house is on fire, you would run back home. You said you got three minutes to get the thing of most value and then bring it out. What would you do? All of a sudden, you've got to determine what is the most thing I honour. You grab your kids, grab a dog maybe, 
You might leave the cat in there. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I know there's cat people, I know. I'm kidding. If you're a cat person, I love you, don't worry. (laughs) Someone just left the church. listen, where do you learn responsibility? Current assignment. Some of you are called to lead and you're like, oh, but I'm just on the greeting team. Current assignment. I want to lead hundreds. How are you leading yourself? I, I want to lead hundreds. How are you leading the 10 men, 10 women God has given you responsibility for? How are you leading in your home? It's the first place of leadership is your home. Your your hardest assignment and your most important assignment is leading yourself. The hardest assignment you have in your life is actually leading yourself. Because if you can learn to lead yourself, you can lead your family and you can learn to lead other things. The last thing I wanna share with you today is number four. David honoured God with his wealth. This is so important. You know, when I was first in the ministry, I, 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 I didn't want to talk too much about money because people get funny when you talk about money. Ah, like, oh, churches talk about money. Listen to me. God is not after your money. He owns it all. <laughs> like his, this world, it's His. I don't know if you know that or not. You're just a tenant. <laughs> he thinks it's His. I know it's rude. You go to Africa, it's His. Go to Australia, it's His. You go to the North Pole, you're like, God, do you own it all? He's like, yes, you finally get it. The world, it's mine. The wealth is the world. The the Bible says in Psalm 24 verse 1, it says that that the earth is the Lord's. It's literally His. And then He says this, in Proverbs 3 verse 9 and 10, He says, Honour the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your increase. And then he says, then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now watch this now. David set aside his wealth so that his son Solomon would build the house of God. His heart was so attached to God's mission and God's presence that he had to attach what was most valuable to him. And he actually puts it up for the next generation. Now now I want you to see this. The first place of dishonour in, in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 3. What do they do? They dishonour God's Word and God, God's boundaries. What do they do? They get kicked out of the garden. Genesis chapter 4, the second time that humanity ever dishonours God was in a worship moment where Cain brings leftovers and Abel brings the first and the best. And it's interesting because God shows up and begins to talk to Cain. He's like, Cain, why are you angry? Why are you downcast? And Cain doesn't answer the question. He gets offended. He's like mad at God. He's like, God, you don't care about me. You've lost, you've lost favour with me. And the truth was, God was just trying to father him. See, one of the most important moments of your life is when you decide to treat God like a king, not a beggar on the street. This is so important because we don't give to God until we've honoured Him. You've got to honour Him because He's a King. And then once you've honoured Him, now you can give offerings. Now you can give to the poor. 
Now you can give to a compassion child. Now you can give to believe and build. Now you can be generous, but first you have to learn honour. And the reason you have to learn honour is because your heart is so attached to your wealth and your, your money that if you don't learn it there, you can't learn it. Can you imagine for a moment if your son walked up to you and you'd fathered him all your life, you'd given him to him all your life and he introduced you to others. He was like, ah, oh, here's this beggar on the street. You're like, son, <laughs> I gave birth to you. I, I blessed you, I raised you and that's how you're gonna talk to me? And do you know how some people do that with God? They literally go, hey, God, here's leftovers. And he's like, do you know who I am? How many know you don't give the king leftovers? You don't, why? Because it does something in your heart when you do. When you give the king leftovers, you're telling the king he's, he's, a, he's a pauper on the street. And I think it's so important that we get this part right. Do you know the, the, the place where we must honour Jesus? Yes, it's our lips. Yes, it's our words. Yes, it's coming to church. But one of the most significant places we honour Him is in our finances and here's why. Because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. He says, if you want an honourable heart, start to honour me. Honour my name, honour my word, honour my presence, honour me with your finances. And before you know it, you become honourable. Let me give you this last thought. Don't seek honour. You seek to give honour to what is honourable. And in the process, God makes you honourable. Are you hearing me? Don't seek honour, don't seek positions, but just seek to place the right things in the right places. And when you place the right things in the right places, what are you doing? You're giving honour. And when you give honour, what do you do? You're actually becoming honourable. Do you receive that church alive? Come on all across this place, close your eyes. Oh, Father, I pray for every man, every woman in the sound of my voice right now. I thank You for their lives, their heart, their mind, their calling, their families. I don't take it for granted to speak in front of them and to speak Your Word and deposit some things into them that they can chew on and feed on that would help them make them wise to both salvation and, and to becoming a full follower of You. So I ask You in the Name of Jesus to bless Your people as they receive the Word of God today. Help them take it and apply it and build a life of wisdom and honour and courage and strength, I pray, all across this place. You know, I want us to do one thing, church. I want us to stand to our feet. The one place, the place where we have to first start is putting God in His right place. It's just honour. So I want us to sing this last song just for about a minute or two because it just speaks of putting Jesus in His right place. When we put Jesus in His right place, His Name, His presence, we can actually start to align every other area of our life as well. So come on, with all our heart, let's sing. Come on, let's sing. Let's hail King Jesus. Oh, hail King Jesus. Come on. Oh, hail the Lord. Come on.
have God in his right place. Come on, practice praise and worship. Turn your heart towards him. Give him praise for a moment, church alive. Come on, let's give him praise. Thank you, Lord. You know, the greatest, perhaps, psalm in all the Bible was written by David, Psalm 23, in his current assignment. And in that current assignment, which was looked down upon, he learned that God was his shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Personal. I want to ask you a simple question. Is God your personal shepherd? Or is He your brother's or wife or mother or father? Is He your shepherd? Maybe you're watching online today and maybe you've never made Him your shepherd. I want to lead you in a simple prayer and that simple prayer can lead you to the person of Jesus Christ. He loves you. He's your shepherd. But He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to take you to great places. But comes to say, Jesus, be my King. All across this place, close your eyes. Father, in this place, you know every heart, you know every life, Lord. You love them more than we'll ever know. You sent your Son to die for us, sinners like us, fallen people like this world that is in such a mess without you. Lord, we can look outside the world and want to fix the world, but the best place we can often do is say, God, fix my heart, fix what I value fix my priorities maybe you're here in this place today and you say Pastor Anthony I don't have a personal faith I, I don't know him as shepherd I don't know him as Lord I don't know him as saviour it'd be the honour of my life to simply pray a prayer with you now the prayer by itself has no power but connected to honour and faith has the ability to literally open up all of heaven's resources Jesus himself said that you must be born again. Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, that's you, that's me, that's every single person in this place, would believe in him, would not perish, but would have everlasting life. The greatest honor on the planet, the greatest invitation on the planet is for you and me 
sinners, mankind is sinners. We, we, we don't even obey our own morals, let alone God's. But in a moment, we can literally turn to Him and trust in Him and say, Jesus, man, you did all that for me. You died on the cross for me personally. And He would say, yes, son. I died that you might live. I was rejected that you might be accepted. The Father turned His face from me so He could turn His face to you. You can never honour God enough until your heart's right may been made right with Him. So all across this place, with eyes closed, today, maybe it's your day, where your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life, where the King of all kings said, yes, I made you, but today you become my son, today you become my daughter. The Holy Spirit's knocking on hearts right now. I sense His touch. sense the richness of His presence in this place right now. He doesn't want people absent from Him. He wants to come in and literally walk with them. He doesn't want to give you a religion. He wants to give you friendship. He doesn't want to give you more to-dos. He wants to give you forgiveness. He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. But that plan can be stolen if we don't value His Word. Jesus said, I am the way. That's the way to God. I am the truth. That's the truth about God. He says, I am the life. He literally holds eternal life. He's the only one who holds it. All across this place, I'm going to ask every single person to pray a simple prayer. That prayer will lead you to a person. His name is God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray a simple prayer. Say, Jesus, forgive me where I've dishonored you, where I've dishonored people. I turn to you in simple faith and I ask you to forgive me, to wash my heart, to cleanse me, change me I can't do it by myself so I need you so in this moment I declare I need you have mercy on me I confess today that you are Lord that you are Saviour that you are my shepherd that you are my friend plant me in your house Plant me in your purpose. Help me walk with you for the rest of my days. Help me walk with you and share you wherever I go. Change my life forever. While eyes are closed all across this place. If you made business with God today, would you quickly raise your hand, raise it up high. All across this place, raise your hand, raise it up high. Maybe you're watching online today and literally you need to maybe stand to your feet. You need to put your hand up all across this place. Thank you so much. Hands going up all over the place. Thank you. Hands up real high. Long enough, high enough for me to see it. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. That's awesome today. Those in the corner over there, it's awesome. Those in the front today. Father, I thank you for every hand. 
You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you for every hand and every heart. Lord, I declare your name and your wonder and your renown over this house, over your people individually, over families. The blessing of God might rest upon them. Lord, I pray that you would help us become more honourable. Help us be excellent at honour that you might honour us, God. But help us just become it. We need your help in it, Jesus. Let there be a revival of courage, but a revival of honour too, I pray. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you receive God's Word today, would you give the Lord a hand? Come on. Anna Faringa.